This is the Freestyle Way. Alright, my friends, welcome back to the Freestyle Way podcast. This is Carl Pauli, your host, which is something I have never said before on this podcast, but I thought I would say it now as uh, maybe there are some new listeners, especially after last week's episode with Charlie Rocket, which... By the way, you guys came through big time in terms of connecting with both of us through Instagram, Twitter, uh, and all other social media platforms from taking screenshots of you listening to the episode and then posting it on your Instagram stories and then connecting and messaging Charlie. It just means so much. So thank you, thank you, thank you to every single one of you guys and to all the new listeners. Welcome to the Freestyle Way Show, where I sit down with friends and people I look up to to just have a conversation. And one of the themes that we have seen in this project, in this podcast, is that this podcast is about uh, two things. One, it's about doing it your way. So, uh, finding a style that fits you and making a, a name for yourself in this in this world. And, and making a name for yourself, not meaning uh, trying to be an egomaniac, but rather finding your voice, finding your signature, finding the way that works for you. And I think every single guest up until now has been been a representation of that, and uh, I'm excited to continue to share these stories and these conversations with you. And I think uh, this week's episode with my friend Daryl Stingley, aka Wavezilla, professional freerunner, is uh, just that. It's a story about how someone like Daryl found his passion in freerunning, in parkour, learned how to do this on his own, and created a a whole lifestyle based around this craft that is conducive for not just self-development, but also community development. This is a guy who has gone out there, practiced on his own, created a name for himself, and made free running his profession. And a profession that also carries over into contributing to the greater good and the rest of the world. And that is his vocation. And in this episode, we talk about how he became a free runner, uh, how he goes through his creative process. What does it mean to make money in this world? How is it uh, that he leverages social media? He shares a little bit about his frustration uh, in terms of the engagement and visibility that he creates through the hard work that he puts in versus uh, other social media engagement that is huge when it comes to memes and uh, really silly videos. And we talk about also uh, about making money and what money means to him and how he manages his business and how he sees business. And in addition to that, we talk about his mission, the thing that he stands for, uh, his values, his principles, and what he hopes to really achieve through his practice as a free runner. So as you can tell, I'm excited about this and 
I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. But before we get into it, I want to give a very special shout out to someone who means the world to me, and that is my mom. I know that my mom is listening right now, Shanna Mama. Uh, She's maybe lying there in bed five in the morning. She will usually text me and say, hey, I'm listening to your podcast. And the fact that my mom is listening to this podcast means so much to me. And I'm her number one fan. And the fact that she is becoming a fan of the podcast just uh, means the world. So I'm, I'm so excited. And I just wanted to give a shout out to her. So uh, that's that. And then the other thing I wanted to do was thank every single one of you guys for the support. Uh, Your support means so much. The ratings, the reviews, the messages, you guys connecting is awesome. And I hope you guys can continue to do this, not just with me, but with every single guest that I have on the show. And in this case, Daryl Stingley, also known as Wavezilla, who you can find on Instagram as I am Wavezilla. And if you need to know who he is right now, because you don't know who he is, pause this for a second, go onto Instagram, look up I am Wavezilla, watch a couple videos, be impressed, be inspired, and then come back, listen to this episode, which is a great conversation. So without further ado, here is Daryl Stingley, aka Wavezilla. Here's what I really want to talk about. I want to talk about the creative process. Right. So if we go back to little Daryl, <laughs> back in the day, uh, how, how does Daryl find parkour? I would say I had been attempting to do parkour almost my entire life. I mean, you know, like one of my earliest inspirations was the Ninja Turtles. Like my brother watched the Ninja Turtles, so I watched Ninja Turtles. And we had like the VHSs and stuff like that. And they, you know, they'd skate, they'd do like flips and stuff like that. And, you know, they did martial arts. So I did martial arts. I skated a little bit. Um, not well, don't, don't think I'm good. Um, but, uh, I, I had always just the, the idea of like dropping onto the scene. That was, that was my thing. You know what I mean? Or like, oh, I need to be somewhere run across these rooftops. You know, there's nothing in the way. There's just gaps to clear. And that was something I really liked. So I had always been trying, you know, um, like balancing on the curb and jumping over the handrails and, you know, like walking on walls and trying to jump from wall to wall. It was always a thing I was trying to do. And um, when I moved to Brentwood is when I met up with some other friends who like were similar. Um, Not exactly the same. They weren't looking for what I was looking for, but similar people that would be willing to do those kind of things. We'd go on adventures and stuff like that. We'd, um, we would like literally go into Marsh Creek and like, you know, jump across the creek at the spots where we could actually make it across. Um, and we'd just mess around. And I happened to see a documentary called Jump London uh, featuring one of the originators of parkour, Sebastian Foucault. And that was when I was just like, that's it. That's it. That's it. Cool. It's a thing. It's a thing that people do. Like, it's a real discipline. And fortunately, at that time, it was like 2005, um, like... I was I was messing around on like put file and there were a bunch of parkour compilations on put file and then YouTube. I don't even know the, I don't even know what put file is. Put what file is, is old. What, what is put file? Put file put file is like one of the oldest uh, that I know of like forum style uh, video uploading sites. So it was like 
you literally take a file, you drag it, you put it into um, onto the the internet. I don't even remember if there were pages. I just remember there were things you could search for. There's just, it's like nowadays you look at YouTube and you see all the channels and stuff. Back then, what I remember was just a bunch of video tiles, and it was just like click on whichever one looked like something was going on and had a cool title. Um, and I saw the Urban Ninja video with uh, this guy whose name is, his full name is Zin Sarath Azuma Fenwuku. His full name. That's crazy. Yeah. So so you, you were watching uh, cartoons as a kid and you're like, man, I want to be one of these yes. Ninja Turtles. Exactly. And then with your friends or on your own, you were jumping creeks. And then all of a sudden you realize that this was not just a kid's thing, that adults were doing it. And that became apparent with this uh, documentary, Jump London. And then how, how do you go from seeing it in the documentary to becoming who you are today? You're a professional free runner, parkour uh, athlete, artist, whatever it is we call it. Uh, what, what, the, what does the progression look like? Well, when, when I started, there, were, there was no coaches. Like, there, there were no coaches around me, at least. Um, the only person that I know now that was coaching back then um, was Renee Scavington, who is uh, the, the owner of Origins Parkour. And then I think Ryan Ford started shortly after that, like, like literally very shortly after that. Um, so for me, it was kind of like as the community would grow, I would have more opportunity to grow. So... Um, Ryan Ford went on uh, ESPN E60 and went to go train with Yamakaze. So um, I got to see that, and I was like, okay, people are people are doing this. And, you know, you start to see it in uh, commercials and stuff. And then in 2007, uh, Casino Royale came out. 007 Casino Royale came out. Sebastian Foucault is in that. You know, he's in the is he the, Is he the bad guy that he's chasing? Yes. That's Sebastian Foucault. That guy that's in the beginning. That's he, crazy. I think on his Instagram it says like the guy from Casino Royale in his bio. So no way. So he hasn't even like put himself as as a, one of the originals. He's more like I'm the guy from the movie. Yeah, that's funny. It is funny. Yeah, and that's like again like as you continue to see the community progress, it kind of gives you um, opportunity. So I I saw okay, people are doing this and practicing this during commercials, during TV, during movies. I can do that, you know what I mean? And, like, that's what I thought the outlet was. And then as, um, you know, I'm, I'm out here in the Bay Area, and there's no, like, parkour classes. There's no place to learn. I can't learn from anybody. So I go to, um, I go to a gym called Four Stars Gymnastics Academy, just to go and like do some open gym because I wanted to know like when the open gyms were because um, I didn't want to take gymnastics. Like, my dad was a gymnast. My dad was an elite gymnast actually. And uh, when I when I approached him saying, "Dad, like I want to go do some gymnastics classes," and he goes, "Well, why don't you just go to the open gym and like figure it out instead?" And I was like, "Oh, they have that." So he's like, "Yeah, go." So I go and they offer me a parkour class, and I'm like. I shouldn't be taking it. I should be teaching it. And the lady at the gym, her name was Monique. She goes, "Oh, you know parkour?" And I was like, "Yeah, I've been doing parkour." At this time, I had already been doing parkour for like two or three years. And she goes, 
wow, um, we need a teacher because the teacher that we have is a gymnastics coach who has seen it and really wanted to bring it into the gym. And uh, they were calling it like um, uh, urban gymnastics or something like that, or like street, street style. They were calling it something. And uh, I was like, yeah, well, I mean, I can teach him. And then like, I was too young to teach parkour. I was 14, I think. So I was too young to actually have a job. So I would teach the coach and the coach would teach the class until eventually I started just teaching the class because he couldn't, he couldn't keep up. I, I, got, I got better than him at both uh, acrobatics and obviously parkour. That is um, crazy. And that was basically when I started my coaching career. And I think that is what fueled my, uh, my ability to be able to get to here because it was a lot of me teaching myself and through teaching other people. I was answering questions that I knew the answer to, but didn't know the the questions. Like, I didn't know what to ask. I knew the answer when somebody asked me. So that sparked me beginning to ask myself the questions that my students would ask me, and that's how I got to here. You know, now being um, one, of, one of, like, I would say the most predominant coaches uh, in North America, um, and also, like, one of the most successful athletes, um, maybe commercially successful athletes in the sport right now. That's how I got to this point, just a bunch of question asking, figuring it out, and making the game plan. See, that's amazing. And you know what's so interesting about that is that I can relate to what you're saying, and this happens to me at my seminars, where people who attend my seminars think that I'm this guy that's like a genius and that I'm a guru coming in to uh, preach the gospel kind of thing and whatever I say goes, when in reality all it is is I've done a ton of repetitions and all I have done is try to answer the questions that my students have asked me. And over time, come to realize that everywhere around the world, everyone is asking the same questions and the answers are the same. So it feels like I'm 10 steps ahead or I'm the quote unquote master, but in reality, all I am is a good student. Uh, And not even a good student, I'm just a student, period. And that is so cool. So bottom line is you got to where you are today where you are world renowned uh, athlete and coach and... um, I would almost say that you're you're also an entertainer, you, you because what you showcase on Instagram is uh, an athletic performance. But uh, a lot of people watch it. Like my brother, he's a doctor in Sweden, and he loves watching your stuff, and he's entertained by your ability to move. Do you consider yourself an entertainer? Yeah, I would say so. So. When you saw, for example, uh, what was his name? The guy that was in 007? Sebastian Foucault. Sebastian Foucault. When yeah. you saw him, were you like, man, the movies is it. Like, that's where I'm going. That was my initial thought. I, I, that's where I thought the, the art was. Because there, there, there was, at that time, there had only been one competition in parkour, and that was the Red Bull Art of Motion. And it wasn't something that I think the whole community took as the future of the sport i think they just were just this is a thing to do right now you know it's just an it's a it's an event and it is about parkour um but everybody knew because the yamakaze had been doing it sebastian had been doing it david bell had been doing it um that like stunts movies like that was a good way to use the skill of parkour so that is where a lot of people 
have and still to this day actually think they can take it mm-hmm. they get, they go down that path and they go down the path of becoming the uh, the next uh, stunt woman or stunt man exactly uh, by using using parkour and I've seen it more and more in movies uh, where it's clearly uh, from a technical perspective it's it's parkour or tricking to some yeah. degree right yeah that's incredible but now there's clearly uh, different paths you can go down to become a professional free runner and uh, would you say those three paths are uh, coaching uh, competing and then entertainment yes I would say so and actually now the entertainment has stepped out of just being like the movies and stuff and actually become about content creation um, and there are there are many facets to even that level of uh, of entertainment. There's, you know, Alex Shower is such a good example of somebody who is. I mean, he's he's funny. He's a funny guy, and he uses his his parkour um, personality uh, as almost like a gateway into this like slapstick type comedy. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's a form of entertainment. And then obviously, you know, you have your people who are. Um, more like parkour artists, like I was saying, like Anan Anwar, who is uh, one of the uh, original members of Farang. Um, he was once a pop star, you know, um, and now he's a. Uh, I think he's. I think he is a Thai. I think he's from Thailand. I'm pretty sure he is from Thailand. I could be wrong, but he was a pop star. Um, and now, if you watch his his movement, there's a big like dance style to it, you know. So it's not exactly the same athletic type of output that I personally am uh, interested in, but it's still that, you know, he's using his own level of, or his, his own understanding, his own inspiration to um, create his form of parkour entertainment. Not as much competitive, right? Um, and he's not coaching, but he is a part, he's a parkour entertainer. Um, and then you have other people who are like myself, um, who like you would consider to be uh, a parkour entertainer, but my outlet is more uh, about like feats, you know, like not only physical feats, but um, technical feats, you know, like bringing something that I thought wasn't possible to the possible realm. And that's like, that's one of the, the facets. So there's even within all of the facets of um, your outlet of success for parkour, there are multiple different, you know, arenas and areas in which you can express those things. Yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, way of thinking about it, and and I love the fact that uh, you're looking for feats, and because that really comes down to the creative process. That means that you're probably looking around a room and seeing stuff. Uh, in a way that most people don't see it. You're looking for how would I go from here to there? Uh, what could I do to make that harder? Um, probably what's visually uh, appealing for the audience to, to see because I know the camera work is important and all these details that we've talked about in the past. How is it you you see the world? How do you how do you see the world, and how do you uh, bring it into your training and putting together these feats? I when I when I'm kind of thinking about this stuff when I'm looking for something uh I'm always like in my mind it's just like I I want something special you know and uh I've had this conversation with with uh, Josh Squad Josh anybody that doesn't know Squad Josh get known he filmed 16 bars he's a master um 
I'm, I'll be talking to Josh and sometimes Josh will recommend something and I'll be like, you know, man, the thing about it is like, it just doesn't feel special to me. So I, I watch a lot of, a lot of my friends and I watch them do uh, runs or lines or connections and things like that. And I think, wow, I, I know that it's hard stuff because I've done it. You know, I'm, I'm there. I know, I know that there's a difficulty to it, but for me, there's typically always something like missing, you know, so it's very rare that I actually watch somebody do a run and I'm like, Oh God, that right there, you know, that's the thing. Um, sometimes when I watch Nate, I feel like that. Um, Nate Weston. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when I watch Nate Weston, I feel like, Oh yeah, he, he did the thing. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, most of the time I feel like it's missed. So that's what I'm looking for. It's like when you watch a movie and uh, like everybody talks about uh, Trinity in um, in The Matrix, like how she does the the uh, wall run side flip thing. Yeah. And now in parkour, that move exists as a Trinity flip. That's what we call it. Um, but that's like a moment. It's a very memorable moment. It's like, oh, did you see this thing? Like, dude, like in in Blade. Um, what's the thing that Blade does? Blade does a uh, he like throws something up to get his sword unhinged from the ceiling and he throws a bunch of like these these serums at this villain and then he does like a tornado kick and kicks his sword or kicks the last uh the last serum bottle into this dude and then he catches the sword and does like this cool spin move and it's just like that moment is so memorable it's not just like it's not like a normal fight scene like the way that i would see most other people when they do things is oh that's the fight scene and the fight scene's badass i'm i love the fight scene but then there's this move. There's like this. There's like this really short sequence. It's like this really memorable part of the the entire movie, and that's what I'm always looking for. Like I'm always looking for that. So when I tell you, like I'm looking at the space, and I'm like, how would Black Panther move through this space? How would Nightwing move through this space? Like how would these characters move through this space? What is the memorable moment that's being created? And I'm not trying to make it memorable for my audience. I'm trying to make it memorable for me. Like, that's, that's why I'm doing it that way instead of doing it the way that some of my friends do it. Because I'm looking at the space and I'm like, there's, a, there's something here. You know, there's something special here. And I want to find it. And it's, it's a really difficult and sometimes, oftentimes depressing process. But once I get there, I'm just like, damn, man, that was it. You know, that was it. Um, in the Wakanda section in my gym, you've, you've probably seen me, like I swing and there's like, it's like a, it's like a three set wall. So it's, you know, it's almost like a full cubicle, but, (laughs) but with one of the walls missing. So I swing into the cubicle and I take three steps around the walls till I get back to landing on top of where I swung from basically. Um, I've seen that. That's the sickest thing ever. And I'm like, man, how does he do that? It's crazy. That's it. That's the moment I'm looking for. So I will, I'll stand there sometimes where you'll see most people who are like, I'm going to do the, I'm going to do this challenge. I'm going to just keep doing this. It's fun. I have fun, but like, it's fun. I want to do this challenge. Me, I'm standing there and I'm just like, I'm searching. Like I'm literally watching myself. Have you seen Avengers Infinity War? I have. You know when Doctor Strange is sitting there and he's like looking through all the possibilities in the future and he's like, I look through 14,605, uh, 14, you know what I mean? That's, that's what I'm doing. So I'm sitting there and I'm just watching myself do stuff until something like catches me, you know? When something really catches me, I'm like, okay, let's start doing that. Let's start, let's start putting that together. 
And then once I have something, it's just like, it's world building from there. It's just, okay, cool. I got the thing. Now I need to create a storyline that gets me to this moment. And then where does this moment lead me to is kind of how I see it. You know, that's how I, that's how I feel it. And then eventually it just becomes physical. Yeah. So you basically are looking in the space and you're looking for where does that epic memorable moment happen? What does it look like? And then you build around that. Yeah. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. That's pretty cool. You know, you know, uh, when I was a kid and I was into gymnastics, I was so obsessed with it that if I was riding in the backseat of my parents' car or whatever, um, as I was riding there, I would look out the window and I would imagine myself like tumbling down the street. And then if there was, you know, like a post or something, I would tumble up onto it, off of it. Uh, so I imagine that's maybe a similar thing that you are experiencing to some degree as you're looking at the world. Always. It makes driving difficult. <laughs> is this something that's happening to you all the time? Like whether you're sitting on the train or, or driving, you're, you're looking around? Oh, yeah. If I could have a chauffeur, God, that'd be so great. I would just be like, <laughs> the thing about parkour being, being um, you know, an urban sport, I mean, it can be done anywhere, obviously. You know, I do a lot of it in my gym. But um, it you're, you're always looking for where to do it. So... Yeah, it's when you're looking, it doesn't matter whether I'm on the train, whether I'm on my skateboard. Man, I've, I've fallen off my skateboard before because I'm skating and I'll like look and I'll see a little something and I'll double take a look right back and I'm like, oh shit, that's a spot. And like I've clipped, I've clipped uh, rocks and things like that and just like flipped off my board and been like, well, that's a, that's divine intervention. I need to go over there and look at that spot now. That's um, crazy. I've just pulled over just pulled over in my car in the middle of like traffic. Just like, you know what? I'm just going to park right here real quick and just go and check the spot out real quick. That's amazing. So you, you're kind of always scouting for what, what's the next location. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, I heard you on a, on a live uh, Instagram live session. You were talking about people uh, not complaining, but giving you crap for uh, training indoors a lot versus outdoors. And when I first saw parkour, I always saw it outdoors, but now it's, it's very prominent that there are parkour gyms all over the place. Uh, what was that conversation about and why, why were they giving you a hard time? And, and what was your uh, comeback? Parkour people um, seem to think, not all parkour people. I mean, you know, I've had this conversation with my friend Tim Champion. You know, he's the, like the world skill champion right now. Um, I just want to train, you know, and the thing about it is I, I love to train outside. Um, but sometimes I just, I want to just, most of the time, I just want to do the thing that's in my head. You know, it's like, it's like a rapper getting criticized for not freestyling at battle raps. It's like, dude, I just want to go into the studio right now and record, you know, like I got this artistic process. I just want to go into the studio and record. Uh, and that's me. I, I just want to come in here and train. Nobody's going to bother me. You know, there's not going to be anything. I'm not going to have to deal with things being like broken or like splitting my hands open on something because it was like sharp and I couldn't check it beforehand or something like that. Um, not to say that I don't love training outside, but parkour people, like most of the parkour community, uh, likes the original like philosophy of it's an urban sport. It's, it's meant to be done outside and I don't believe it's meant to be done outside. I think that it's meant to be done anywhere you choose to do it, but um, you know, outside is one of the main places that people see it. And, uh, for some reason, parkour culture is like, oh, it has to be outside. It has to be, you know, 
outdoors and that's where it's meant to be done so like do it there so i get a lot of comments people say like go outside go outside you know like oh i want to see some outside videos it's more impressive it's more impressive to see it outside than it is to see it inside and it's just like okay you weren't there for like the first seven years of my parkour career where parkour gyms didn't exist you know like where i didn't have an indoor place to train that wasn't a gymnastics gym. Now, I, the reason why I don't like training in a gymnastics gym is because most things are soft or like the floor is sprung. It's not helping me. Um, it's not helping me push my athletic ability the way that uh, you know the way that I would want it to. Um, so you know, I d- I trained outside a lot because that's what was there for me. That's what. That's how I learned. I, pre- I learned most of what I know outside, you know, including a lot of the flips that I know. Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and that's how, that's how it is. Uh, or that's how it was. And now we do have gyms. We have spaces in order to be able to train and practice and, you know, enjoy ourselves. And I, I think that it's, it's just people, um, either they don't have access to the gym or they just want to stick with the old mentality of like it's meant to be done outside. I want to see outside stuff. Um, and for me personally, personally, I haven't found the same um, the same joy every time I go outside because there's there's pieces missing. And within the gym that I designed with uh, with Alan, you know, Alan's the the owner of Apex NorCal. Um, we I, there's there's not anything that I don't want. I have access to the world that I want to play in, you know. Um, so I love training here. I also love training outside, and a lot of the time, because of the access that I have to here, I can come in here and train a lot. And most of my ideas, I'm just like, oh, I know how to use this space. You know what I mean? I'm gonna go and like film using this space, or I'm gonna go train in this space. Like I, I actually train. I don't just go out to play like some I want to come in here and I want to hit a hundred repetitions of one distance you know what I mean or I want to hit a full workout and what I don't have to worry about in here that a lot of the time in California as you know sue crazy um I don't have to worry about security or police or people coming to tell me to leave which would ruin my session and that's one of the many reasons why I don't uh, go out to train every day. I've I've done this for so many years. I just want to push myself now, you know. And when I have ideas, I love going outside. When I have ideas uh, at spots that I've been to, or I want to go look for some spots. That's really fun. I'm going to go do that. But the majority of the time, because of where I'm at right now, I just want to push myself. And in here, I have nothing limiting me. So that's why I come in here. So my response to the community was, I'm dope inside, I'm dope outside. See, watch any of my videos, you'll see. I can kill it no matter where I am. I'm going to kill it in here as often as I can because I have 24-hour access and nobody can kick me out. Like, I just want to come in here and do my thing. I just want to go in the studio and record. You know what I mean? That's, that's how I feel about it. So that was, that was my response. And the truest people that really, you know, that really like fuck with my stuff, they uh, they love it either way. Doesn't matter where I am. They just say do your thing, and I leave it at that. 
Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I'm I'm a super fan, as you know, of of your work, and the thing that I admire the most is your relentless pursuit of developing yourself. And uh, you made a funny little video on Instagram about the grass being wet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you did a, a pretty cool rap there. Uh, which which basically is you saying is like I'm upset when the grass is wet and I can't practice. Like yeah. I need consistency because I want to put in the reps because you know that this is a volume game and that you need to be showing up daily and that's what you do and that's what allows you to uh, perform at the level that you're performing. And what's interesting to me, and this is something that I, I, I want to ask you is, I've watched you, I mean, do you remember when you called me and you're like, Carl, I think I'm going to delete all of the posts that I have on Instagram and I'm going to start over. And I was like, go for it. Yeah. Because you wanted a clean slate. And then you started over. People were upset. Like, why are you taking this away? People don't like change. They started freaking out. But you started posting. And that's when you had taken yourself to like this new level of performance. And uh, you started growing. And it's been a very steady growth in terms of your engagement and, and people following you. And when I compare to other free runners out there, uh, they seem to be growing faster in their viewership and their following and engagement. But when I see your stuff, I, I, I get the sense, and maybe I'm biased just because I, I'm friends with you and uh, we get along, but I feel like the integrity of your practice, what you do is so pure that people almost don't get it. Mm-hmm. And that is not, it doesn't look as flashy, but it's potentially much harder uh, than what some other uh, free runners are doing, not taking away from them, but you basically you stuck to your guns. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the slower growth that you're going through versus when you, if you ever uh, look out and you see other people that are in the same uh, community as you, growing faster? How, how do you deal with that? How does that feel? What's the deal with that? Um, I mean, I have two feelings about it. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't, I don't really care. Um, because what I've learned is those followers don't mean anything if what you're giving to them doesn't mean anything. Um, so, I mean, you know, a lot of my friends who have those like 150, 200K, you know, 300K followings, uh, they, they personally don't get much out of it, uh, aside from the fact that they're, they have that many followers. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't pay their bills. It doesn't, uh allow them to do much more than they're already doing. They're just filming stuff and putting it up. Um, and I think that is partially, you know, on them for not knowing how to utilize their audience and capitalize upon their audience. Um, and then the other part is, you know, on on the platform itself, you know. Um, the, the platform that gets them to that point, it almost, it almost like incentivizes ingenuine content, you know, or, or in, ingenuous or whatever the word is, you know. Um, like, <clears throat> uh, my friend Callum recently made a post about this, talking about people posting, like, disingenuous uh, content because it, it gets more viewership, you know, like, it does garner more views. Um, so, like, 
that is is great that you have that many followers. You have that validation for yourself that that many people care about you. But how is it affecting your your life, your qual- your quality of living, and specifically? So you know, um, I happen to be. I've had this conversation with a few friends. I happen to be one of the highest paid free runners in in the world. You know, like like the top three, um, and uh, I'm not I'm not paid to coach. I'm paid to be, to be me, you know, um, and I don't have, I don't have a quarter of the following of a lot of these guys. Uh, but the thing about it is I, I have followers that like really, really care about what it is that I'm doing. Uh, so they, they kind of like, you know, they, I don't want to say buy into it cause it makes it seem like I'm trying to sell something, but they do, they support me. So you know, a lot of my followers support Strike. A lot of my followers support Incrediware. A lot of a lot of them like come in here. You know, um, come into the gym and like train, either train with me or learn from me or whatever. You know, um, but they they engage with that. So sometimes I'm just like I don't really care, and sometimes I'm like, man, if I had that following, what could I do with it? Um, and it kind of it kind of brings me back to how I feel about uh about some people you know like I'm, I'm not the type of person that just wants to see something just to see it uh i don't like going on uh the internet and just just watching funny videos all day um uh recently um mel sent me a video of uh what is it this guy dancing like he's just he's just like waving his hand side to side that's all he's doing that video has like 90 million views and then i was like 16 bars has 8000 views and 16 16 bars is is a is a is an amazing video that if people haven't seen it they need to go check it out 16 bars on youtube it's there it's insane uh and and relative to that guy just moving his hands and doing a silly dance you're like peanuts yeah i was that's kind of how i was thinking about it i was just like why and i realized it's i think um a lot of it including a lot of the stuff that a lot of these other uh, athletes are doing a lot of them are just trying to appeal to to people and you know what people like but i think people have such low expectations they just want the quickest easiest simplest entertainment that doesn't make them think uh which is why you have artists you know like Royce the 59 if you know Royce the 59 the rapper he is by no means one of the most famous uh, rappers in the world, but he is one of the best rappers in the world. I think Royce the 59 is one of the only people uh, that Eminem has ever considered to be like on his level. And Eminem, obviously being the highest selling, um, I think he's the highest selling recording artist of all time. I could be wrong. I definitely know he's the highest selling uh, rapper of all time. We'll get some fact checkers. Yeah, yeah, we'll get that on there. Somebody, somebody looked that up. But Eminem, who is that, puts Royce on his level, and Royce is far from it, you know. Um, but the thing about it is, Royce is like, I'm gonna rap the way I rap, no matter what. I'm gonna do me, no matter what these other guys are doing, you know. Um, Drake, who I have a lot of respect for, I would consider to be um, a culture vulture. But he's a great culture vulture, you know. Like Drake will see that new stuff that's happening in the in the industry, and he'll adopt it, and he'll end up doing it better than the people that do it. Um, but it's not uh, 
it's not like what, what I would say like Royce does. Royce is always him. No matter what, he's always him. And if he feels inspired by something, he'll do it. But he's not going to do it for the numbers or for the sales or for anything. And the people that love Royce love him, you know. And the people that love love Drake, they love him. But some of those people might one day think something about him and might the next day think something different about him. And that's that's not who I want to be. So, you know, um, for me, I would definitely like to identify more with somebody like Royce because Royce is true to himself 100% and he gets his benefit from that. And he's, and he, at this moment, he's been in the game for since, since the nineties, you know what I mean? At this moment, he's experiencing the most success and fame and he's the best he's ever been, you know, right now. Um, and me been doing this for 14 years, I'm experiencing the most success and like fame that I've gotten and I'm the best I've ever been. So like for me, it's, it's, it's not, it's not so much, um, about what I have right now. It's about the quality of what I have right now. Like how much I have isn't as important as the quality and what I can do with it. Um, and I always think of myself as a, as a, um, a thinker, you know? So while everybody else is maybe, you know, maybe getting it right now, I'm thinking of, what's next you know what's what's the what is the future uh what more can i bring to the table so that when i get it i don't have any problem like keeping it you know whereas those guys are right now they're just like i gotta go out i gotta go out right now and i gotta go film right now because my followers are expecting stuff from me i I don't post for like weeks at a time sometimes and when i do post it's the same engagement i was getting you know when i was posting every single day so you know right now i'm just thinking formulating plotting, putting stuff together. And then when I unleash what I've had, what I've created, people are going to respond to it in turn as they have before. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons you're able to do this, and this is just me as an observer watching you uh, grow, is that you're also a really good businessman. You you don't just um, go one way. You can see the full spectrum, and that's why you coach. And that's why you compete. And that's why you do uh, this, uh, sit down with me and talk about uh, free running and about yourself and uh, are willing to have these conversations is because you've you've really diversified. And if you're not uh, creating a piece or filming a piece, you're coaching, you're working. So you're always uh, in business. Where does that come from? How did, how did you start seeing the world that way uh, from a, a business perspective? My dad would always like tell me, um, don't rely on quick hits. So I would do things, you know, I'd get paid a little bit of money. Like I would, uh, I would film a video and I'd get paid a couple hundred bucks, you know, um, or I would work on a commercial and I'd get paid a few thousand bucks. And, you know, you know how money works that, that few thousand bucks seems like you're rich that day. And then like next month is gone. It's gone. <laughs> so my dad would always tell me like, don't rely on quick hits. Like you're smart. Use your, like you, you, I, my dad, <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to say I tricked my father. Cause I, cause he knows me and he knows when I'm BSing, but, uh, I was going to go to, um, the art Institute for, uh, for like video production and design and stuff like that. Uh, and I didn't. And the reason why I didn't was because I was really good at telling my dad 
what opportunities I had. So I'd be like, no, dad, like, I'm, I'm going to do this, and then that's going to spark this, and blah, blah, blah. I would talk about it, and the plans were, were good. <laughs> but I, I would just say that so that he would let me just do what I want to do. I just want to train and film. I just want to make my projects, and, you know, I want to do that. Um, but I would, I would do all these things. I would coach, um, and I'd make money, and I'd be like, look, I have money coming in, and I'm making these videos, and I'm working with this company, and we're talking back and forth and all that stuff. And he'd be like, why don't you just do that shit. Like one day he was legit just like, why don't you just do that shit? You're so smart. Just do all that stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, then I guess I will. So it kind of, uh, it kind of went that route for me. I mean, I've always been, uh, pretty good at coaching because when I teach, I'm, I'm actually there. Like no matter what else I have going on in life, no matter what video I'm working on, no matter how exhausted I am or whatever, when I'm teaching, I'm there for whoever I'm teaching. And I can attest to that. I've been I've been in your class, and you're you're there the whole time. Yeah, like I stay in it, and and that's typically what I do anytime I put my effort toward anything. If it's being put toward that, I think it needs to go toward that 100 percent because I'm there to do it. So, um, you know, like when when I would teach and when I would like write the emails like the proposals to the companies that I want to work with and when I would be out filming and all that stuff I just put all of my time and attention toward it and I would get something back from everything so I teach all those students they they really want to keep working with me I have one student Danish student his name's Silas he was being taught by one of the most famous parkour athletes on the planet to this day and uh, I think six or seven years ago when I started teaching him I covered that guy one time for a private lesson because he was out. He was working on a movie. So I came in. I started teaching that kid. The next week, I got a call from the manager, Heath, and he's like, hey, do you want to do private lessons with Silas every Wednesday? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why? I thought he was doing privates with this other guy. And uh, he's like, yeah, but he doesn't want to do them with him anymore. He wants to do them with you. And it's just when I was there with him, I wasn't just like, okay, I'm going to cover Jesse today. You know, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to be here for this kid. This kid wants some want some serious help so I taught him and I was like I really like this kid okay cool he wants to learn okay well let's learn like let's go in let's do it you know um and he loved that so much that he decided well I'll just pay him that hundred bucks per session you know what I mean um and like that to me showed me that my effort my my um concern my care for my students came back to me, you know, and I, I didn't do it because I wanted it to come back to me. I did it because like, if I could have a coach like that, I would give him everything I have, you know, so I'll be that guy. Um, so I got something back from it, I, you know, and then I write these email proposals to these companies I want to work with and they get back to me because of like the time that it takes me to write, like you've seen my emails. <laughs> I've seen your emails and, and actually I, I need to give you a shout out right now because I think I've told you this before, but uh, when, when you were first coming into Strike Movement, uh, Mark Morissette sent an, a mass email to all of the investors and everyone that was on the team and uh, featured your email that you sent to him with your proposal and said, this goes for everyone who's talking shit about millennials. This guy is a millennial and look what he's got. Look what he's doing. This is the example and the standard that we should be operating as a business. And you were the guy, the example to follow. So yeah, I've seen your emails. They're incredible. And that's, that's like the type of effort that I put in. If I, if I want to work with somebody... 
I have to recognize that they have to want to work with me, you know? So I can't write an email and be like, this is who I am and just say it. I have to be about it. I have to prove it with those words and I have to have examples to, to share. So that's why I create projects like 16 bars aside from my own personal selfishness and of wanting to bring those things to life because I want to see them. I also know I need a catalog of quality content that I can show to the businesses or the organizations or whoever that I want to work with. I need to have that so that they can see that I'm legit, you know, um, because if I want to work with somebody, like I want to work with them. So when Renee introduced me to, uh, to strike, uh, actually I got introduced to strike at a competition and I was just like, yo, you got another pair? Cause I'll wear these right now. But, uh, <laughs> right. That, that was pretty incredible. Um, when I got introduced, it was just like, oh, this is, I want to work with this company. This is, this is such a legit shoe brand and it's not Nike and it's not Adidas. It's not somebody trying to create something, um, to capitalize on something. These are people that are making something because they truly, like me, truly want to like believe and want to create something beautiful that comes from themselves. That's what you and Mark and Jeff and all, you know, and all those guys did, um, and that to me was, I was like, I can align with this company for the rest of my life. And I mean, you know, four years later, I'm still here and we're still working, we're still rocking. Um, and, you know, that that is the reasoning for me to try so hard to appeal to uh, to you guys. That's why when I, I mean, even now I've, I've already gotten to that point. I don't, I don't need to continue to write these proposals the way that I do to Mark, but every time I still write it out. Like I, I make bullet points. I, I uh, highlight things. You know, I make sure that there are sections and segments that that um, can give you the full scope of what is in my head and what I'm trying to bring to the table. Yeah, you you're you're an expert at uh, showcasing the value that you bring through your craft, and you don't just do it in email format, but you also do it in communication, in your relationships, you do it uh, in your practice as a, as a coach, and clearly you also do it when you're traveling and competing. Uh, you're always showcasing the bigger impact and value that you bring, and I think that's that's impressive. That's that's really cool, and, and when it comes to um, being a professional, uh, making money is actually a big piece of, of the, the pie because without that fuel, you can't continue to build. Mm. How, how do you look at money? How do you feel about money? What's your relationship with, with it? I have a love-hate relationship with money. Um, I, you and I have had this conversation before about like, you know, being an artist and, you know, I, I would believe 100% that I'm an athlete, obviously. I would also believe 100% that I'm an artist because my athletic uh, expression is not solely based on I want to be able to go this far. You know, I want greatness like other athletes. Like I, I'm not necessarily looking for that, but I do think those people have a lot of an easier time trying to turn what they're doing into big money makers. Um, and for me, it's really difficult because... Like uh, like Dr. Dre, I just want to focus on the on the passion. You know, I really, really want to just. 
I don't care if I get a million dollars. I care if I can be able to do this, you know, like, can I, can I do this? Can I go home and eat and not think about potentially starving? Can I pay my bills? I'm not trying to get super, super rich. I'm trying to make it so that I can do so much of this without having to worry about the money part, you know, like without having to worry about, um, how do I keep making money? I know I'll keep making money if I can just do this. And that's what I'm always trying to like work out is I don't, I'm not trying to get everything. I'm trying to get enough because I just want to do this. That's the main reason why I want money at all. If I wanted to get rich, I'm certain that I could. There are so many ways for me to do that. I can think of a million ways. I mean, I think of ways for other people, you know, um, I'm not interested in doing everything for money for myself. In November, uh, I had the choice between running an event that I formulated um, with me and the Storm guys and the, and one of the Modus Projects uh, athletes. I had this full thing, and uh, I was just like, I want to make this much content. I want to have this much training time. I want this to be a big thing for the sport, for the culture, for my space here, um, and for these guys too. You know, because I like I can I can help them achieve goals as well. I can give them my insight as to how I've made the money that I've made and like show them how to be marketable athletes and show the world, show, you know, obviously Strike and Credoware, all these other companies that are already investing in me, how, how valuable uh, a free runner can be, you know. I had the choice between doing that, which, which I partially had to pay, pay for, you know, that was between me and, and Alan and Alan paid for the majority of it. But I, you know, I came out of pocket for, and you were funding it. Yeah. I pay for all my equipment. You know what I mean? I pay for anything that those guys need if they need something. Um, but like I had the choice between that and a guaranteed $25,000 job, which I think I was only going to be on for two weeks, but I, I had to pick. That's the thing. Like I couldn't do, I couldn't say, Oh, is this job going to happen in December? You know, it's a, it's a thing where they wanted a parkour guy. Um, it's, it's happening in November. Well, I already like booked the tickets for my athletes to come out so that we could do this thing. And it's between 25 grand guaranteed. And they like the, the casting director called me and the producer called me cause I told the casting director, I can't. So he's like, hey, man, all right, no worries. Uh, the producer really wants to talk to you, so do you mind if I just give him your number? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, go ahead. And then the casting, uh, the producer called me twice, and I, I, never, I never called her back. Um, <laughs> I never <laughs> okay. called I was busy, man. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, but, like, it was, it was do this, and I had the conversation with Alan. It was do this, make this much money, or do this thing that I think is more important. It's closer to my heart and it's going to be really, really important for the athletes that we're bringing out. On top of that, the community as a whole, it's going to do a lot for parkour, what we created. And I was like, dude, that's, that's not even a thing to think about. I like, I already knew my answer. Once I found out it was during the same time, it was like, dang. No brainer. You know what's so crazy about that? Um, a couple things. One, I, I just had Logan Gelbrick. He's a friend of mine. He he runs a gym down in um, uh, SoCal and he does much more than that. He just finished writing a book called Going Right, mm -hmm. which is basically making the right decisions. And um, the right decisions are hard. And at first they seem like this big sacrifice. Like, you know, 
I'm going to turn down $25,000 guaranteed that could potentially pay my rent for the whole year. All right. The fact that you were able to get to a point where there was no hesitation that you would choose working with your athletes and uh, saying no to the 25K is some something that I think uh, most people wish they could get to. And I guess my question is, how did you get to a point where you found your values and things became so clear that this is what you had to stand for? Do you remember a moment or um, a couple of moments that have accumulated over time that have allowed you to get to the point where you feel really confident in the decisions that you're making? I would say it started when I was in uh, when I was in like high school because you know I had this whole plan to uh, to go to college and uh, at first I wanted to be a police officer. I was a part of this program called the Police Explorers. You know they take young kids and you can basically like um, learn the ins and outs of being a police officer. You can go on ride-alongs and so on and so forth. Um, I did that for a while and then I was like, you know what? I don't want to do that. I think I actually want to uh, I want to like you know go into robotics and um you know obviously i had my passions like martial arts was one of my passions uh art was one of my passions uh and there were outlets for that but then when i when i found parkour i was like this is a thing right and at first it was me trying to make parkour align with those other career paths and there was a point in time where i was just like if i could just do parkour and just focus on the whole parkour culture would I do that instead of doing this other stuff and when that answer became yes no doubt that was when I I gave up that other stuff I was just like I don't I don't want to build robots I don't want to do that the only reason I wanted to do that was because I know it's a good job and my parents know it's a good job and it aligns with that with that mentality and you know the same thing about being a police officer it's like once I you know, once I knew that this is the thing I wanted to do, I realized I didn't want to be a a police officer because I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be a police officer because my dad was a police officer, bounty hunter. He did all that stuff. Um, and I knew it's, I know it's a good job. And that was a difficult thing for my family to grasp, right? At first it was just like, Hey, I want to do parkour. And they're like, how are you going to make money? How are you going to do all that? And it was just like, I'm going to make it work. Um, Fast forward from high school, I don't go to college. Uh, I moved to L.A. in 2012, beginning of 2012, like right right after my birthday, actually. Um, And I'm set to go and work at uh, the Tempest Free Running Academy in uh in chatsworth california that was just opening yeah that was just they offered me a job before that but i was still in high school so like when i graduate high school i'm out and i graduated high school and i was out and i didn't actually get to work at that job for like six months um so i was just doing what i could do um making it how i could make it just getting by and then when i got there I, i to be completely honest i took the fuck off um in a year i became head coach and um, before I left, I was the highest paid coach they ever employed. I was the most requested coach for birthdays and private lessons to the point where I had to start saying, no, I don't want to do private lessons with kids that just want to come in and learn a backflip. They can learn that from anybody. I want to do private lessons with kids that really, really want to like hone themselves and create themselves. So, you know, what I realized through all of that is no matter what I did, 
no matter what I didn't have, I was always okay. Like I, I always like would make it. Um, and even if I barely made it, I would always make it. And that was enough for me because I could still do what it was that I was trying to do. And the people that I influenced were still like proud and happy and just grateful that I could be there and be a part of their lives. So for me, it was just like, my heart's right. I'm going to keep making these decisions and keep doing it like this because my heart is right. You know what I mean? Um, and even now when I would say I have the most I've ever had, I also have the least I've ever had because if, if you're really, really doing it, when you have the, the money, the time and the resources to invest in yourself, you do it. Um, so instead of being a hoarder right now, I've spent like all my money to, to make the level of production that I can and have and to be able to be in the opportunities or to, to be given the opportunities that I've been given. I've, I've put all of my efforts and time and resources into that. And, you know, like it's still hard. It's as hard as it was, you know, the first time I did it. Uh, but I know that because it's a genuine choice, because it's really coming from my heart, it's going to, it's going to take care of me and that's going to allow me to keep doing what I do. So like, I know now that these decisions are the right decisions to make, even though in the moment they feel like, oh. yeah, man, that is so incredible. I, dude, I'm inspired right now and I, I'm always inspired around you and I've, you know this, that I get inspired around you. And, and you know what I'm thinking? I'm just kind of thinking, man, what, so what's the mission? Like, what, what, uh, what does this look like? Uh, what are we trying to do here? What, what is Daryl Stingley trying to do with the world? I, it's funny that you actually called me Daryl Stingley because uh, now, now because of how my name is on Instagram, people, so many people don't know my name, um, which is cool. Kind of got to do that superhero thing. Uh, I have a secret identity. Yeah. You just gave it away. But sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is that you? That's me. I'm, I'm is Darryl that you, Wavezilla? Um, that is how most people... Yeah, mo- most, most people know you as Wavezilla. Which is cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, but, yeah, Mr. Wave. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Um, Mr. Wave. Um, the, the thing... I was talking to you a little bit about this um, earlier. I have always wanted to make like to benefit the world like I, I really really want people to be better people um, there are so many things that I think are problematic within how we uh, exist and coexist I guess would I would say as a society uh, and this is both like within this country and worldwide there are so many problems that if everybody just got their head out of their ass we could solve together and it bothers me that people aren't willing to either sacrifice a bit of their livelihood or a bit of their comfort to make somebody who is suffering comfortable. Like, that that kills me. If I had to give up my car, I would, you know. If I knew that that would make everything better, you know, I'm one person, but if everybody could just make that decision then you know do it you know what i mean that's that's how i see it so so what i'm what i'm doing is i'm trying to like live my life the way that i'm living my life and still like come out on top so that i could tell more people hey you know i did it 
you can do it too. You know, there, I, I'm, I've had this conversation time and time again, both with my father, with you, with some of my other friends, you know, I, <laughs> I don't like people. Now, now, when I say that, I'm not saying that I don't like you because you're a person. I love you. I admire you very, very much. I look up to you very, very much because of the type of person that you are. I don't see you and see, oh, this is what people are like. I see this is what people should be like, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, and you are like that to me. Um, and <sighs> when I say I don't like people, I'm saying I don't like the people that are so absorbed with themselves that they can't see how that is hurting everybody around them. So what I'm trying to do because I love kids is make somebody that is uh that is properly influential and inspirational to make them want to do and be the same. Now, what I'm doing is I recognize that I have a gift and a talent and I'm trying my absolute best to hone and master that talent so that I can use it in order to bring a, bring about positive change. That's exactly what I want to do. And you and I have talked about this a little bit um, because of your daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, being, being black is a really difficult thing uh, to do in this country. Um, and the, the crazy thing is I don't come from like the, the hood, you know. Um, I grew up around hood people, but I don't come from the hood. I, I come from the suburbs. And as privileged as I am, I'm still targeted and discriminated against, and I have been my whole life. And, and it, it's, it's crazy how, how uh, regular it is. It's so regular that we almost uh, internalize all of our pain, and it doesn't come out for a long time. So for me, three years ago is one of the first times I really ever expressed the fact that, man, I've, like, I'm... <laughs> It, life is harder just because of the color of my skin. And I know that this isn't the worst problem. And I also know that while having this terrible problem, I'm not even experiencing it to the degree that some of my other uh, brothers and sisters are experiencing it. But I'm, but I'm still experiencing it, and it's crazy. So what I'm trying to do with myself right now is be an example and use as many of the re- like I'm trying to garner as many resources as I can while also being this influence so that when I have the resources I also have the the uh history of being an influence to these people so that when I when I say hey this is what we can build together it's not just I'm coming in with money or with opportunity or whatever it's I'm coming in with money and opportunity and I've been there you know, I've been there and I've come out and I'm more evolved and more advanced. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to, to, to make all of that happen, like with this life, you know, so that the people, the people that I inspire can hopefully answer the, uh, bring proper answers to the problems that exist in our world, both societal, environmental, you know, 
mental and emotional, all those things that are going on, all I want to do is be the influence and be the inspiration and hopefully give as much as I can to bring about that change. Because, you know, I, I don't like to say I want to bring a world for my kids to live in. I just want to bring about a world for everybody to live in that's better, you know, because if we're not here, if we're not here doing it for that reason, then what are we doing anyway? You know, so that's my whole plan. That's why I'm doing everything I'm doing. Yeah, man. Damn. Um, shit. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. So what do we tell people? Like, what's the deal? What, what, what do people need to know right now to, to get to the point of seeing or beginning to see the world through your eyes, whether it's, uh, when it comes to the color of your skin, to where you come from or where you're going, or to simply uh, waking up and going from being uh, people to uh, individuals? What do they need to know? I think people need to know that we're all people. So if you're having problems, you, you need to think about the fact that other people are probably having the same problems, maybe worse. And there is something that you can do to make their problems, you know, easier, like less. Uh, and that actually in turn will make your problems lesser as well. Like I think about it like if we didn't have such issues of fear and greed when it comes to the things that are ours, if we didn't have so much... Uh, maybe pride, um, so much need to, to hold on to the things that are our own and that bring us whatever joy they bring us. If we didn't have that, we would, we would live in a better society together, you know? Um, and I recognize that. Like, I don't need to film myself and put it out there for anybody's validation. I would be totally fine if we were able to live in a society in which I could just do this thing that I want to do and then provide my skill set as service to my community, I would be totally cool with that. That isn't the world that we live in. But knowing that that is a possibility is what makes me do the things that I do the way that I do them. If everybody else could understand that, I think we could create a better society. And then the people would have the power. You know, we don't have to say, oh, I'd love to be this way, but the government's this way, so I can't do anything about it. It's like, well, if enough of us think like that, they can't, they can't beat it. There's, there's fewer of them than there are of us. And if we can, you know, really, truly come together and, and be on that same wavelength with each other, then we have the power. You know, we as the communities of people who live in said communities have the power, you know. And they need us as opposed to us needing them. So that's kind of like, that's what I think people need to notice is that we are stronger than we believe we are. We can change more than we believe we can. And I know it because I'm not rich. And I think I've changed a lot around here at this gym, um, the gym in LA that I was once at. A lot of my friends, are uh, Armando, who I've spoken to you about, is 100% totally on this career path, and he has been for a few years now, um, and he's wildly successful, you know, 
he can do that's one person whose life I was able to influence and he's doing he's literally living his best life he's happy to do what he does every single day he's doing what he wants to do every single day and I'm here to help him every step of the way and he's here for me every step of the way so it's like that little bit of change changed at least one entire life imagine if everybody did that where would we be so People have that power to do that. And that's what I think people need to understand is they have that power to do that. And they actually have a responsibility if they want a better world to be a part of creating that better world. Dude, I'm with you. And and know that you know this, but I'm going to say it again because I want it to be public. But I support you all the way. And you've influenced me in my life in such a positive way that I can't even begin to articulate. So I I thank you here. And I cannot wait to see what happens in the next decade for you. Because you have set course towards making change that is so much bigger than what people get to see through your videos and Instagram and maybe the few hours that they get to spend here with you when you're teaching them. That when it all comes full circle, uh, people will go back and listen to this and and realize uh, what you're really all about. So, dude, thank you for sharing. This has been awesome. Uh, I hope those who are listening uh, feel inspired and go follow I Am Wavezilla. That's what I would do. Thanks, dude. Thank you. Bam. We did it. And that, my friends, was Daryl Stingley, a.k.a. Wavezilla, who I love. He is a dude that I am so grateful to be able to call a friend and just being able to get to know him over the years and collaborating with Strike Movement and getting to even take his class one day. I attended one of his uh, reps classes, which was so awesome, and seeing what he's like, not just as an athlete or an artist, but also as a teacher and a coach and how much he cares about his community and how he influences in a positive way, not just his immediate group of people and community, but also the extended version of that, uh, which I believe I follow into. And hopefully through today's episode, you felt how much he cares and how strong his values and principles are and how he's affecting positive change in the world. And if you could feel that, do me a favor, go take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast and share it anywhere you can. And make sure to tag us, tag I am Wavezilla for Daryl, tag myself at Carl Powley and this podcast, The Freestyle Way, because anytime you tag it, we will be able to find you. I'll be able to connect with you. I can talk to you and uh, I get to know you. And when I get to know the audience, the people who are listening on the other side, what happens is that we build a connection that allows for this project to be more meaningful. So, If you can do that for me, I would really appreciate it. The other thing I would recommend is please, please, please go connect with Daryl. Go hit him up. DM him. Let him know what you thought of the episode and have a conversation. He has a lot of value to share and he is an amazing resource and he's right there available for all of us to enjoy. And he's someone who uh, is open and I think uh, you will really love connecting with 
The other thing is, uh, if you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening, that is really helpful. The biggest platform right now is iTunes, but any other platform is valid as well. I would try to find these reviews, and what I've been doing is I've been taking screenshots and sharing them on my Instagram story. So if you do that, if you leave a review, I will find it, and I'll make sure to share it either on my stories or in future episodes, I'll be reading those reviews as those are fueled to the fire for this project and allow for this thing to take off. So if we do it together, we'll make it happen. Guys, for now, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to connecting with you next week again. Peace.